everybody. This is Hop Culture. We're the Hopkins sisters, Claire, Grace, Anne, and Tess, four sisters living in different time zones, recapping our lives, giving each other unsolicited advice, and hopefully giving you a laugh in the process. Who knows, if you stick around, we might even touch on something substantial along the way. Ahoy. Ahoy. I have something to say about Ahoy. It's really just a way for me to work in something I wanted to mention. Um, <laughs> this will be like a week and a half behind by the time, you know, this airs. But is anyone watching The Bachelor this season? No. It just premiered. Okay. So, you know how Jess, who seems like she's poised to be kind of like the villain, at least the first half of the season villain, she rolled up in a boat, uh-huh. and she was like, hey, Captain, heard you're looking for a love interest or something. And I was like, there's so many jokes you could make about, yeah. like, I'm mm-hmm. I'm your first mate. First or, mate. like, so – yeah, I was just like, you didn't tie it into the boat thing in any way. It was so bizarre. <laughs> I was just, like, aghast. It, it was very strange. <laughs> Matt actually happened to be, like, in the room. And I was like, oh, look, there's someone on a boat. And he was like, he bursts out laughing. And he's like, that looks like a $600 boat off Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> I was like, it's kind of true. They couldn't find a cooler boat. You know the part where Leah got, or maybe it was Leah, I can't remember how it's pronounced. She got that special card. So she gets this card and it's like, oh, you know, she gets to open this, like, she doesn't know what it is, and it's a thing where she gets to steal a one-on-one date from anyone, mm-hmm. like, over the course of the season, which I thought was so funny because I was like, oh, that's, like, they're giving, like, survivor, yes. like, yeah. vibes. I was oh. so excited. I was like, they're yeah. finally doing something to mix it up. Exactly. I appreciate it. interesting. Yeah. Like, I thought the same thing. I was like, okay, it's needed, like, something for a yeah. long time. And the girl, bless her heart, was, like, really emotional about it. She kept breaking down in tears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were like, you know, there. it's the middle of the night. It's probably she's just been pushed to, like, the brink of despair. Because we're kind of like, why is she <laughs> crying this much over this? She's like, I can't do it. I can't do this to any of these girls. I love them. They're so nice. And I'm like, wait a little longer. See how you feel <laughs> yeah. when one of them is mean to you, inevitably, and you get to steal her one-on-one. You might be happy about it. Mm-hmm. Well, everyone was talking in the group about, like, what they would do. And I was like, you know, I wouldn't want to have to, like, beg for a one-on-one date. You know, like, my pride yeah. would get to mm-hmm. me. So I said I would cast it into the fire in front of everyone. <laughs> and then she did. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my gosh, I predicted what would happen. So I was really disappointed. (laughs) It would have made for much better TV. It would have. You're right. If she actually did steal someone's one-on-one. They gave it to the wrong girl. Yeah. Like the one nice girl. I'm like, oh, that's maybe mean. I'm sure there's some other nice girls. (laughs) Like Daisy seems like she has a heart of gold. Daisy seems nice. Daisy's being poised to be like America's, you know, girl next door for sure. Mm-hmm. Like they're setting her up for that. But I like 
some of the girls were very catty. And I'm like, if one of them had got it, that would have been better, you know? So anyway, I derailed this conversation so much. But I just – I had to work a hoy in there because I have to see if America's on my side about this situation with Jess. Well, um, getting us back on track, today was – and is going to be a Hop Culture Book Club meeting. And we're talking about the book How to Know a Person, The Art of Seeing Others Deeply and Being Deeply Seen by David Brooks. Which Claire <laughs> tried to tell us what book we should um, be looking up because she she chose it and she said it was oh, what did she say knowing How, a person she said it was called knowing a person by Arthur Brooks okay <laughs> she got Can the I? title and author wrong I realized today okay I've been so confused about Arthur Brooks versus David Brooks this whole time and I didn't realize they were two different people until tonight when I was prepping the script. Who's and I was Brooks? well we've yeah. we've cited some of his stuff on previous episodes. Like cuz he has a podcast and he's a writer. The thing is they're very similar. They they're both like columnists Ooh, at like similar, national yeah, they're like big newspapers and they've written books and they're like you know, kind of those thought leader types that speak at colleges and stuff and you know, the type. And so it's and it said I actually googled if they're related and they're not, but yeah, so this whole time I was like, oh, we know him. Like, I've read some articles by him and stuff. And then I was like, oh, wait, this is a different guy. But <laughs> he was still a good writer. So, yeah, I got the, I got so much about it wrong. <laughs> we, like, none of us could find this book at <laughs> yeah, first. It's just weird. It's not on Libby. It's on Hoopla. Like, huh. it was the wrong title and author. <laughs> So since, you know, I didn't know the author or the actual title, it's kind of amazing that, you know, the topic was what I was expecting. So here's a little synopsis um, from the book. He writes, there's one skill that lies at the heart of any healthy person, family, school, community organization, or society. The ability to see someone else deeply and make them feel seen, to accurately know another person, to let them feel valued, heard, and understood. And yet we humans don't do this well. All around us are people who feel invisible, unseen, misunderstood. In How to Know a Person, Brooks sets out to help us do better, posing questions that are essential for all of us. If you want to know a person, what kind of attention should you cast on them? What kind of conversation should you have? What parts of a person's story should you pay attention to? So like I said before, Claire had uh, chosen this book for us. And had any of you even, had you heard of David Brooks before? Anyone? Besides Claire, obviously. I don't think so. No. Yeah, me neither. Um, so, Claire, what drew you to this book? Well, you know, I was browsing Goodreads. I'm always on the lookout for, like, a good book to spark discussion or conversation. And this one just came out last fall. Um, so, you know, it was kind of a newer book. Uh, maybe one everyone hadn't read already. And um, I think I just have a general – it's very, like – I feel like loneliness and, like, disconnection is a very hot topic right now. Like mm-hmm. – and mm-hmm. I don't want – I actually really don't want this episode to have, like, a doomsday-ish vibe of, like, society's falling apart and everyone's, like, no one has friends, you know, because <laughs> – 
I feel like sometimes that's the feeling you get about society is just like we're worse mm-hmm. off than we've ever been, you know? Yeah, it's just like a downwards <laughs> spiral. <laughs> yeah. And that's a bummer. You know, we have our issues, but I actually thought it was interesting. I was trying – so how I got to the bottom of the Arthur versus David – was because I was trying to look up some of the stats that he cited in the book because I listened to it. So I like didn't have them, you know, vi- visibly handy. And um, some results came up. There were actually people debating some of the studies that he'd cited and saying like there actually isn't evidence that people now are any more lonely than they were in like the 50s and 60s. And so they're like, there have been articles and books written about, you know, people being loners and stuff for decades. It's not like a new thing. So maybe I, – I do think that, like, I think there's a lot of evidence that people are more maybe disconnected now than they used to be. I don't think loneliness in and of itself is new, but as far as, like, cultural divisions, it might be worse now. I don't know. There's That's up for debate. But I, I do feel like it's a very hot topic you hear about now, especially after the pandemic. And just on like a selfish level, I really benefit from and like feeling a connection with people or like I understand people or know people well. And so just selfishly, I thought it would be like an interesting topic because it's something that's important to me. Yeah. Well, I didn't read a ton about his previous books. I know he's written other stuff and uh, articles. Um, but as I was looking this book up, I, I found this article in The Nation, I think. Is that a publication? It sounds right. <laughs> um, there's so many news I've never heard I of get it. get them mixed up. Oh, yeah. It's a periodical. And it was this article about him, but I didn't love the article just because it was very pretentiously written mm-hmm. um, which always sort of like it just it the vocabulary and the like literary references were so much that it just it was like just trying really really hard yeah but they really didn't like him and they it was like very critical of him as trying to like moralize as like a rich person that he you know is like hmm. condemning people or or saying what we need to change in our society. I felt like he but- went out of his way over and over to be like, I can only g- look from my perspective and like acknowledge that like he yeah. is like a privileged white man. Like it was weird because I felt like he tried to acknowledge that. I read that before I read the book, and I really liked the book. Mm-hmm. And I just I didn't feel that way. I, and they were they were reviewing something else that he had written, but this book. Uh, yeah, just I didn't feel like that made any sense. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. I would say his style is akin to kind of like Malcolm Gladwell-esque-ish in that like he brings in a lot of like other people's stories and like mm-hmm. um, he he talked about like the tsunami in Thailand in I think it was 2004 or 2005 and like a story from that and a story from – Oh, he brought in some stories about George W. Bush. And, like, he brought in a lot of interesting 
it's not just his personal experiences. It's like interviews with a lot of different people and types of people. So yeah, I enjoyed it. I I thought it was like easy to read. It's not like groundbreaking. Most self-help, I wouldn't really say the self-help, but most like social science books. I feel like we always say that. We're like, it's not groundbreaking information, <laughs> but most things that we could read and would hold our attention probably are not groundbreaking information because they have to be kind of entertaining. Tess and Anne, what do you guys think? I at first was not, I don't know, very interested in the book just based off of like <laughs> I could tell what it was called. <laughs> you did not seem <laughs> excited I, about well, it at all. It's like how to know a person. Like this just sounds like it's gonna be a man who is trying to like act like it's groundbreaking to actually like get to know someone like hey have you heard of like talking to <laughs> well i mean that's <laughs> fair honestly kind of cuz he he admits that he like the beginning of the book he talks about how he was very much in his own world like for yeah. the early parts of his life and he just emotional connection was like foreign to him it reminded me of like really maybe like a really nerdy guy in like high school that would suddenly be like, "Have you guys cared about people before?" Mm -hmm. like, and then they turn into like, I guess I'm thinking of one. I really, I'm so excited to know who you're talking about. I have, but to they know. decide that they're like a collector of like people and experience. And kind of like, okay, get over yourself. But I actually thought that. He had some really like helpful, I don't know, helpful tips and just ideas. And there were things that I I realized reading the book. I was like, wait, I I actually am constantly like, I want to get past the like small talk phase of like, you go to something and, and you're like acquaintances, mm -hmm. and I want to actually like get to know people and like make friends with them. And and this book was kind of like how to do that basically. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was I thought it was helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I think one trend that I've noticed over the last, I don't know, maybe decade, <sighs> stick with me because it's kind of like convoluted. But I feel like there's a few things and they're sort of intertwined. I feel like the concept of an intro introvert versus an extrovert became like extremely trendy. Mm -hmm. And everyone wants to label themselves, you know, which one they are. And I feel like it became kind of trendy to be an introvert. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's my extrovert privilege talking. No, I feel like I would say like five years ago, that was like the thing mm -hmm. was was talking about how you're an, an introvert. Yeah. Which for the record, I understand where like if extrovert, if the world is built for extroverts, it's like it was good that introverts got a time to shine, you know, but so I'm not, <laughs> I'm one. Just, just one. They got one moment and we we're all like, good for you. <laughs> all right. Back to extroverts. But I heard a lot of rhetoric around that of like, well, I'd rather have like a few really close friends than just a bunch of like surface level friendships, you know, that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. I, I feel like that is kind of the way the world has been trending as far as like, well, we just, we get our friends in college and that's like the friends we stick with for the rest of our lives, no matter where we move. And, you know, it's kind of like almost like people don't want and people just want to stay home after work. And it's it's like 
no one wants to make plans. You know, that's kind of like, I feel like that's a, that's a theme that has kind of become like more and more talked about and popular. Do you guys feel like that? Mm-hmm. Or is that just like mm-hmm. my I think so. perception? I think the pandemic mm-hmm. really turned a lot of people into homebodies that maybe mm-hmm. weren't already homebodies and kind of got us out of the habit of like organizing things to do. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I would agree. Totally. Because I think a lot of people don't love socializing and get some amount of anxiety around socializing. And so it's easier to not. Mm-hmm. And it's true. I'm like, I would rather stay home mm-hmm. on a Friday night. But if I stay home every Friday night, I'm going to start feeling like I have nothing going, you know, like, no, yeah. totally. We need, we need that pressure. And I think some of the social pressure to do that kind of stuff, even though you don't want to, mm-hmm. has kind of, is like go- going away. And I don't think yeah. it's necessarily. That's exactly, no, that's exactly what it is. And I agree. Like, if you asked me on pretty much any weeknight if I want to do anything after six o'clock, it would be like, absolutely not. Like, yeah. it never sounds appealing. But once I go, I always have fun. And it's mm-hmm. it's so funny because I remember mom teaching us that as kids. Like, mm-hmm. you'll be glad you went. And I say the same thing to my kids. They love social things, but like, even like, you know, their soccer practice or whatever. It's like, you're going to be glad, you know, like you'll have fun. It's just such a like life principle. But as an adult, yeah, it's that that pressure to do that has like so backed off the last few years. And it does, it catches up to you after a while. And suddenly it's kind of like, oh, I could, I could leave town for a month and no one would notice. You know, it's just, you kind of get like a little bit like, I'm just so, you know, solitary. Like it, it really affects your psyche after a while. So I can't remember where I was going with that. I had a point to make <laughs> about society now and I, it just went out of control. But so we kind of split up the book and like focused on different chapters. And so we all just have like some points we wanted to bring up. We're not going to do like a full, you know, chapter by chapter synopsis. But did you guys have any points or like stories or anything that you guys thought were interesting that you want to bring up? Okay, one thing that I liked in one of my chapters, it was all about morality. And he talked a lot about how education and we like, which I know we're not talking about, you know, what a downer our society is. So I I won't be a downer. But he was a bit of a downer and talked about how, you know, since the 50s, we've been kind of moving away in schools from teaching like morality and um goodness, kindness, humility, and more towards teaching, you know, teaching towards exams and teaching towards financial and academic success. And anyway, from that chapter, one point that I liked was that when we get lonely, we get mean and bitter. And Mm -hmm. he talked about school shooters, um, which is, you know, obviously a very sad topic, but how a lot of times those are the kids that, you know, nobody knows and nobody, even their teachers don't know who they are. They're remembered as very, like, socially inept. And they, you know, often those kids think something's wrong with them. And then that translates into thinking, well, actually, no, something, I'm I'm amazing and something's wrong with everyone else in the world. You know, I'm a superhero and everyone else are just ants. And so... On a smaller scale, we can all have that mentality 
um, sometimes and we can think like, you know, when we're not accepted or or we don't feel like we have belonging, we get mean and we get bitter towards other people and that can translate into a lot of different areas. He talked about politics and how we're all very, you know, we're seeking belonging by calling other people bad or um, other beliefs bad. And the moral that I took from that chapter was, you know, instead of feeling like we're not accepted and then turning that on other people, be open. (laughs) Don't get bitter. I guess that was the (laughs) moral (laughs) that I got. I, I can, I feel that at times I've become like maybe judgy or just like Mm -hmm. snooty toward others because, you Mm -hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Because I I haven't been like actually their friend, and if I were actually were friends with them, then I would have probably liked them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you look at another group and you're like, well, either I can be sad that I'm not a part of this, or I mm-hmm. can decide that I wouldn't want to be a part of it, even if they wanted me. And yeah, mm-hmm. like, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so true. And as mature as I'd like to think I am, that I wouldn't think that way. I still have times I think that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, speaking of groups, though, did you guys like the story at the beginning when he talked about um, how he was part of like a panel at I think it was at like on like Broadway or something or like at a theater or something. And he was like, it was totally different than the like stuffy environments I'm typically in for work. Anne Hathaway was part of it. <laughs> Do you guys remember that? Yeah. It was right at the very beginning. And yeah. he was like, beforehand, we um we did like a group hug and a cheer. And then people were crying on stage, they had tissues because like so many people were getting emotional. And then after everyone did like a cheer and, you know, we're exchanging, taking pictures together and stuff. And I was like, that is so a theater kid vibe. (laughs) But it's intoxicating. He said it was like amazing. And that was one of the like groundbreaking experiences for him to – kind of get interested in like changing and evolving. He said Oprah interviewed him on Super Soul Sundays twice, I think. And she said on the second time, she's like, I don't think I've ever uh, interviewed someone who's changed more than you. And so he was talking about how he, you know, has become like more open. But I was like, the experience of, I wouldn't say I was a theater kid, but I have had a couple I did dance. (laughs) Yeah, close calls. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I did a show um, when the temple was dedicated in Anchorage. We did like this musical show. So I got to be a part of that. And then I did folk dance at BYU, which was like basically a theater kid (laughs) 2.0. And so I feel like I have the vibe. Like I've Mm -hmm. I've been there. Yeah, I've been I've been close. And there is something like so fun about being part of a group that has like a unified (laughs) goal, you know, that's like, I don't know, it just makes it so much easier to connect with people and you just feel like a part of something and you feel the sense of belonging and it's 
It's like one of those feelings, though, that as an adult, it's like very hard to get again. And I feel like as a kid, you have so many more opportunities. You can do team sports and you just have so many chances to feel that. And maybe part of the problem with connecting with people is just as we get older, we don't have as many chances to do things like that. You know, I'm trying to think of, well, church callings, (laughs) that's honestly like like one of the chances to work with people on something, you know. We can work with people, but it's going to feel different, I think, as an adult because, well, just obviously, I think most people have experienced that, you know. Doing some things as an adult just isn't quite the same feeling. It's never as, the same <laughs> as a t- teenager. But also, one of the sections that I read had it was very interesting. It, he was talking about life phases, and um, I can't remember the the term, but it was like objectives in each phase. Mm. So, like mm-hmm. for a newborn, their only objective is oh. to oh. I've heard of this. Yes. Caretaker. I'm going to look up what it's called because I've re- heard about this before too. As like a toddler, your main objective is to – like your main task is just to create a sense of self apart from your caregivers. And then like kids develop sort of like a need to be praised or be seen as be achieving certain things and learning. And then teenagers maybe start to develop like a – they get into a phase where they are just so driven by their connections. And so any sort of thing like that with all the connections and the friendships is like life or death because that's their that's their main objective. And you don't necessarily it's, – it's not – everyone doesn't progress through all of these things. Like some people get stuck in the childhood phase of like just needing recognition and not caring at all about connections. And some people never grow out of – being hmm. completely defined by relationships. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a phase where maybe you're like focusing on finding the right career in life, you know, like the right vocation. And that can drive and that can push out certain like emotional thing. Anyway, it was really interesting. I won't go through all of them, but his point was basically when you meet something or when you meet someone, and it's kind of like what Claire was saying with change we make the mistake sometimes of not liking someone and judging them because they're maybe in a phase where they're more selfish and to just completely discount the idea that they could have a complete shift in personality Mm -hmm. as they have a different phase and something happens to where they're no longer just solely focused on achievement. I mean, some people don't change, but some people can change really dramatically and we just see people as something that's fixed in time rather than seeing them as an entire progression Mm -hmm. of things. Which is why it's so hurtful when, you know, we bring up like Grace shaving soap or, you know, (laughs) Tess's uh, sparkling cider incident, you know, things from the past. And it's like, I'm not that person anymore. Like I've, I've changed. I have different developmental objectives now. I was going to say something about that. I know I was going to say, I actually thought you were going to say Tess's falls. And I took a huge tumble today. And I thought, I was like, I thought I was done with this. Like, I really thought I had like changed. Where did you tumble? It was really scary, actually. I was bringing Gwen in from the car. So I was carrying Gwen 
on like hard pavement, but Ooh. there was like little patches of snow and I stepped in one that was really mm. slippery and I slipped and I, you know, you're like, try- I was trying so hard to keep her from hitting her head on the pavement because that's the direction we were going. And uh, it just, my body took all the the impact and it was very painful, but. Well, that sounds anyway, like you had changed. control. In the fall. I had no control. I had no (laughs) zero control. It was a split second. But people do change in other ways. Just just not. Not falls. Falls are forever. (laughs) Um, Kind of along those lines with understanding people. So he mentioned the big five personality traits. Have you guys heard of this before? Mm Mm-mm. I kind of want to, I like, take a test. Because he talked about the Myers-Briggs test and how that's probably like the most well-known, but it's actually not a very good personality test, which I felt vindicated because I've never liked the Myers-Briggs test, mostly because it's too hard to remember what you are. (laughs) It's way more fun to have like, you know, a love language or just like one number assigned to you, you know, Mm -hmm. then (laughs) I could never remember. There's too many possible combinations Mm -hmm. of the Myers-Briggs. I'll never know what anyone else is yeah. You know, yeah initials mean so people will try to put it into conversation and i'm like i don't i don't know and i don't care yeah exactly <laughs> um and so he talked about the big five and so these are it's basically just kind of like these are um factors of a personality it's not really you're not assigned like a number or something so there's um conscientiousness agreeableness neuroticism openness to experience, and extroversion. And he used George W. Bush as an example. And see, this is where I thought he was balanced because he talked about some of the good things about George W. Bush and some of the not good things about George W. Bush. <laughs> I was watching a mashup of George W. Bush moments. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> They're so funny. The one, what is it? What does he say when he, like, it's the golf ball. <laughs> now watch this drive. Yes. Oh, is he talking about like like one. Iraq or something super yeah. serious? And he's like, now watch this drive. <laughs> the the golf ball. I can't. You know, I, I she loves Jeb. I can't get enough videos. Have of we Jeb. talked about Jeb <laughs> on the podcast? It. it goes back a long way. It goes Grace. back a long way, and it's so complicated because it's like <laughs> I really don't want people to think that there's. Anything you're a hardcore, either, yeah. Either way mm-hmm. on Jeb Bush, like <laughs> it has nothing to do with the politics. Yeah, <laughs> they, they couldn't be less relevant to how much I love Jeb Bush. Yeah, it's not for or against. It's just, it's just... so sad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to it was just talking about how if, like, for example, he talked about marriage and how if you're going into a marriage, understanding people's personality it sounds so simple but he's like understanding people's personalities and like kind of where they fall on these traits is going to help you understand like how they react to certain situations and like why they react the way they do you know and it sounds so simple but I do think sometimes we expect people to just behave exactly the way we want them to or expect them to or how we would react in any situation And it's just not realistic, you know, like we need – he talked about how like we need 
people that are bold and don't mind, you know, being in front of people or making people mad to be leaders. We need warriors to keep us safe and to be aware of like dangers, you know, and like we actually need people with all of these different personality traits to make a community, but sometimes we don't appreciate, you know, the differences that we have with people. So, Mm -hmm. well, it seems like it'd also be useful to know which ones you just don't like to be like, I know it's important that leaders have this quality, but I don't want to be close friends with someone with that quality. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily condemning them, but like, you can know that about yourself of like, I don't admire it as much as I understand it and can see it as like, yeah, necessary. That's very true. I feel like as I've gotten older, there are, I recognize that more. And it's like, there can be people that I like value what they talents or whatever, but I can be like, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't be best friends with someone like that. You know, it's just, it's not going to work. So Mm -hmm. he had a whole chapter about the art of empathy, which is one that I read. And it was like a little boring, so <laughs> I didn't care for it much. But um, I'm just like you that's either- the most and thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was I'm boring. Sorry. But no, I know I, what you mean. I, it's like you have it you or you mean, don't. You have yeah. it or you don't. No, actually, it was about how you can actually like develop. Oh, empathy. well, tell us more. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you about that. If you need to develop empathy, like that's on you. This isn't take a look in the mirror where you're going to learn about it. But (laughs) my favorite part was he was talking about mirroring. That's like one step of empathy. And it's where you are able to just accurately like catch the emotion of the person that you're talking to or match their energy as the kids say. Yeah. Like I guess sort of you can sense what they're feeling and He just did this drive-by so out of the blue. He said, I quote, People who have Botox and can't furrow their brow are less able to perceive another person's worry because they can't physically reenact it. (gasps) (laughs) I'm just like scaring on. It was so like out of place. I'm like, I'm sorry, you just decided you wanted to like. Was there anything to back that up? (laughs) I know. I was like, I'm interested in seeing the data. That's a but I, I loved it. <laughs> he did actually have a couple moments like that. That that was one of the things that I didn't care for was he would say something, but then he would he would come to a conclusion that wasn't really necessarily supported by anything that he had said. Mm-hmm. And I didn't always agree. I was like, I'm not I'm not sure that your conclusion is as valid. You're just stating it like a fact. Yeah. <laughs> Some mm-hmm. of these are just something that he's just maybe Assuming or, yeah. Yeah. I would like information on the Botox data because I would venture a guess that women get Botox more than men. And I would say women generally have an easier time, like, mirroring emotions. Again, I'm generalizing. Well, people generally get it when they're over That's true. And have had some life experience, too. if you haven't developed empathy, like – at that point, I don't think that it eliminates set. your your <laughs> ability to feel like you can't I don't think that all of a sudden like you get Botox and all of a sudden like your empathy. I think he, he watched an episode of Real Housewives and was like, "How can I explain these ladies? It must be the Botox." Like, mm-hmm. It didn't make any so sense true. for the team. I will get Botox, and we can mm-hmm, we can decide see. whether I Please. become less empathetic. 
one chapter that I really enjoyed was about, he told this story about this guy who lost his dad when he was pretty young, but old enough to remember. His dad uh, took his own life, and his mom couldn't really process what they had gone through, and so she just moved them, I think, to Bermuda, somewhere far, far away from where he had been living. So they never really processed what they all went through as a family. And then when he got older, one time he was, he was an adult by then, but he was with his mom and they had this fun night planned and a friend of his called and had just lost a family member or was in the hospital. Like his family member was probably going to die. And he asked if this guy would come and, and sit with him in the hospital just for support. And he said yes, but when he got off the phone and told his mom about it, his mom was like, what? Why would he need you to sit with him? And she was like, well, <laughs> she was like annoyed that he he needed support in this difficult time. And the guy kind of agreed with his mom or like was having similar feelings where he was like, I'll go. But like he wasn't he wasn't happy to go and he didn't see the need for him to go and like support his friend. So then that kind of like made him realize something was wrong. Something was amiss. And so then the whole chapter was about processing your childhood experiences and being open with your friends about like negative experiences that you've had in your life. And (laughs) he gave this little exercise that I feel like sometime not on the podcast, but I'm so curious. I think we should all do it because it's in our family, the one thing you must never do is blank <gasps> and you answer that. And then in our family, the one thing you must always do above all else is blank. It's just meant to spark. We all need to excavate our childhood experiences and unpack them and use them to heal from them so that we can use them to help others instead of, you know, uh, packing them away and becoming hardened like like that guy. But <laughs> that sounds like it would just cause. It's going to cause. Well, it's, so it would much. cause problems if you do it as a family. Yeah. I, I know. He didn't suggest doing do it. He said, he said to do it with your friends. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he oh. specifically did not say to do it with your family. But Mom I has her head between her knees right now if she's listening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tess, this is such a weird coincidence because literally last night, but friend was texting me and she was like, yeah, one of my friends is in the hospital. And so I'm going to go, you know, sit with her for a while. So she's not by herself. And I was like, I literally was like, is, oh, is it dangerous? Like, why, why does she need someone there? Grace. And then, I, and then I was like, oh, remember that time that I had to go to the ER and Anne just dropped me off. And she, she was like, I was like, literally just thinking about that. Oh my word! Oh my gosh! Yeah, maybe you did. Wait, she took a picture of you. I like took a picture of sad little Grace in the ER, like sandwiched between others. You took a picture. I don't know. I like sent it to the family. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! There was just a miscommunication. Yeah, because mom. 
I wasn't, but see, I didn't think there was anything wrong with that. That's the thing is, like, Grace seemed like she didn't want me I didn't, around. I truly was like, people just go to the hospital. Yeah, I mean, I yeah like, you're an adult. Which they, they do. Yeah. I was an adult. I was in college. Yeah. Grace values her privacy. I didn't want to be, like, sitting there, like, talking to her while she's, like, going. If anyone something. would drive <laughs> themselves to the hospital, it's Grace, like, and not tell just, anyone. What if you have the flu? I had a severe flu. I didn't. I was going through something, something like private. I'm crying. Oh my gosh. I, that's just like the coincidence of this. Yet again, another story that gets brought up over and over again. Now I would sit with you. It's just I. I My brain wasn't fully developed. Really like it. Oh man, I feel like I should clarify. We don't have trauma. Yeah, I don't feel like like I have trauma. I made it sound like we should talk about this because we did. I just think we should talk about it because it would be fun. I think there are things. Just being a human, there's things from your childhood that maybe you just like overheard someone say something there's just weird things yeah. that weird little things that you, you carry you with you like the yeah. weirdest things that your parents like would never they would be shocked to be like what that's you. not what i ever said you know so it's like it's yeah. just a fact of human existence mm-hmm. you know exactly so i had a quote i liked um and it's by <laughs> terence <laughs> just terence I guess it's a Roman. No, it's like a Roman (laughs) dramatist or something. I've never heard of Terrence, but I was cracking up that it just sounds like it's like a modern day musical artist or something. (laughs) Um, But it said, I am human and nothing human is alien to me. And one point that I felt like he reiterated through the book was like, (laughs) what's the title of the book again? How to see people. (laughs) How to know a person. But he talks a lot about seeing people, like, for who they are, you know. <laughs> and I do think sometimes – I've had this thought before, like, it's a – I wonder if other people feel this way. But, like, do you guys ever consider other people and be like, wow, they – their minds are just as full as mine. <laughs> like, their <laughs> life is the same – like – they are sensing as much as I am. They have memories like I do. Like, it's so crazy sometimes to be like, they're a person just like I am, like, with mm-hmm. as with as much on their mind and stuff. And it's just so easy to just feel like we're so different from other people sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we all really do feel like such similar feelings, even if we have like very different life experiences, you know, there. And it's so cliche, but it's like we have so much more in common Hmm. One portion that I thought was like actually kind of helpful, he was talking about asking the right questions. And he said most of us are not naturally like questioners when we're making conversation. Like we will talk about ourselves more than we will like ask a question. But if we want to actually like really get to know someone, we need to be better about asking questions and not just specific questions like, you know, how are you? Or like, where did you go to school? But open-ended questions that get people to talk about their experiences and tell their stories. That's like the best way you can 
get someone to open up. Um, and he said people are people are dying to tell their life stories. Like they did this study um, where they were asking people to they were paying people to like come and tell their life stories and the people enjoyed it so much that they were at the end being like this was so fun this is like the best day i've had in a long time like i don't even feel like you should be paying me like they they were enjoying Mm. it so much and that wasn't like the point of the study but people love to tell stories about their life and so (laughs) the examples that he was giving were they sounded like interview questions i'm like you cannot ask this in like yeah. a girl's night where like you're talking to someone and then another girl's gonna come up and join like mid-conversation and be like what like <laughs> he was like instead of asking like how is your mother you could ask are you close with your mother and i was like no you can't, you can't do that but <laughs> lead with that but <laughs> yeah maybe like later like one-on-one but oh he said Instead of asking, like, what do you think about X, say, how did you come to believe X? And I'm like, again, you can't really, like, that's not really, like, a question that a real person would ask. But, like, asking for more details mm-hmm. about something or, you know. Yeah. Well, that that's a good question to ask if you're disagreeing with someone, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's fair. But, yeah, yeah. It, it. some of the things that he said in my chapters, too, were a little bit. Maybe odd to say just in a conversation, but... Yeah. Yeah. I was looking for things that were, like, applicable to me and my stage of life. Just the average Midwestern mom. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) because if if I was talking, you know, in a casual conversation and mentioned, like, you know, oh, you know, I kind of disagree with how, you know, the school's handling this. You know, something that, like, you just talk to, like, a neighbor about or something. And they were like, how did you come to believe that? I would be like... (laughs) <laughs> oh, so do you think I'm That's an idiot s- and you're trying yeah. to like be like, help me see how you could possibly yeah. like I'm like some of them. Yeah, it's, just, it's a very serious response. To <laughs> it is. Yeah. I I think saying like, ooh, like, tell yeah. me, more, you know, that's a much, <laughs> much more realistic way of asking that. But but yeah, I, I thought like that's a good, you know, practical tip asking open-ended questions and getting people to tell you their life stories. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not rocket science. We started a podcast so we could talk about ourselves. So, I mean, (laughs) it's true. Well, we usually wrap up our book club episodes by asking, did you like the book? Would you recommend it? So, thoughts? I think it's worth a skim. I thought at times it was too long-winded, but... I liked it. Yeah, I feel like every every book in this kind of genre could be so much shorter, but yeah. I really I I did like, you know, even even the things that were kind of I was like, "Oh yeah, that, you know, that's common knowledge." It still is like a good reminder and he had some some good insights. So, I liked it. Yeah, I agree. It wasn't brand a brand new way of looking at things or anything, but I if anything, I appreciated the reminder that like humans need to connect and we want to connect. And so mm-hmm. and and like that's a good thing. So, I thought it was a pleasant and easy audiobook too. If you enjoy audiobooks, it'd be a good one to listen yeah. to. I really liked it. I don't know if I just got better sections um <laughs> 
there there was one section that I read that was sort of like how to's, like how to active listen. And I was kind of like, anyone that needs this advice probably isn't reading this section. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I thought sometimes. It was like, you know, don't think about what you're going to be saying when someone's talking to you. It's like a lot of people know that. But I thought that the book overall just sort of made me feel more connected to like humanity as a whole. Just hearing about kind of like Claire was saying, like the reminder that we need to connect made me feel connected mm-hmm. in its own way. So I mm-hmm. I would say definitely recommend, but yeah, you're not you're not maybe gonna learn any skills, but it's just a good book. Mm-hmm. Should we do weekly wins? Let's do it. I have one. It's not a it's not so much a win for me. It's a win it's a win for everyone who is lucky enough to still be going to Lifetime Fitness. I'm <laughs> so excited. I'm just, I'm happy for all of you. I hope to someday go back, but <laughs> what? now is not my time <laughs> to shine. What's the win? But yeah, what's yeah the where, win is where is the for goodness? For all of you. <laughs> but like what changed? Yeah, what? Are you- just This is just a random <laughs> feeling? I started going to the YMCA. Oh. Um, so it's a non-win. It's, it's terrible. Really? And Aren't really some wives really good, though? It's just, it has no amenities. It's so cheap. So I'm not complaining about it. You know, I think it's a good value. Does it have a child care? It has a child care. Oh, that's all you need. Yeah, it has child care. Like it, okay. But I'm sorry. I'm not trying to diminish. I'm I being know. a diminisher. Like the, we yeah. didn't even talk about illuminators and diminishers. Even going to exercise. To yeah, I was not going was to going exercise. For, the whole point yeah. of Lifetime Fitness was I liked the hot tub, I liked pickleball, and I liked the steam room. Well, and you had a friend that you went with, and I had a friend that I went with. So I liked the luxury of it, and so now I'm like, do I even want to go to the gym? I don't think so. I tried to do twelve three thirty. I almost died. It's so hard. Everyone made it sound so easy. And I was like, okay, I guess I actually have to work out now because there's no hot tub and there's no pickleball. And <laughs> and you came in so hot with having a win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not a win. This is a desperation win. Yeah. I, I think of everyone who still gets to go to Lifetime and I'm like, just love what you have. <laughs> Cherish it. And it's a win. It's a win for you. So it's a win for me. Sometimes I get whiplash in my daily life because I go to Lifetime, but then anywhere else I go pretty much is like real grim, like (laughs) Walmart, Goodwill, (laughs) like two different errands I ran the other day. I got bumped into like someone like rammed their cart into me. And both times I thought, well, it's Aldi. Like, what? that's what you're going to get. Or I was like, well, it's Goodwill. You know, that's what you get. And I was like, yeah. why do I frequent places where I'm like, you're going to get rammed into by a cart here. Like, it's fine. But then I go to Lifetime and I'm like, I don't belong here. Like, yeah. I don't. I'm like, I don't fit in. But I'm yeah. so happy to be there. So, so just cherish it. That's yeah, my, that's my I'll message. try. I'll savor it. I finished a book today. Uh, it's called Hello Beautiful. Have you guys heard of it? 
It's been kind of popular. I think I have. No, I don't think so. It took forever to get it on the library waitlist, but I finally got it yesterday, and I finished it today because it was so good. I mean, it was an audiobook, so I was just listening, listening, and this is not going to be a five-star for everybody. Know thyself, because it's like a sweeping... It's sweeping family drama, which those Ooh, I are love sweeping family drama. Family dramas for me, and it was just so heart wrenching and so good. It had Ooh, all these sounds tough. It's four sisters, but it's not happy. Four sisters. Mm. It starts out happy, then there's so many life circumstances and dramas. They get pulled apart. There's a there's you know. I can't I can't give away anymore, but I have seen this now that I'm looking at the cover. I've seen this on it's people's really good. It was a five star for me. I <sighs> am tempted. I'm tempted because it it, it's I don't think I want to read like a heart wrenching book about you four sisters. Read it because it's heart wrenching, but they love each other so much. It's kinda like a more upsetting little women. Like it's or like a a little women, but the characters are a lot more flawed. Maybe I'm interested. <laughs> or upsetting little women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. I, I can barely handle little women. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's like equally upsetting. <laughs> uh, I had a surprise win this week. Today, in fact, I was driving home along Mayfield Road, and what should my little eye spy but a Qdoba? opening up <gasps> whoa close Lost to my house past. i know i looked up online how do you pronounce it because we always said kadoba mm-hmm. and i found a blog from a high school girl named kaylee from 2009 <laughs> kaylee worked at qdoba and she said that's how you pronounce mm-hmm. it okay a lot of people online when i looked it up were saying i say quadoba <laughs> what have you ever heard that <laughs> I'd never heard that one. That doesn't make any sense. People acted like the two possible pronunciations were Qdoba and Quadoba. (laughs) Quadoba? I'm like, I don't think that's the secondary pronunciation. But anyway, I've been dying for Qdoba the last couple years. Yeah. Move into my neighborhood. There's one at the entrance of our neighborhood. Stop trying to lure her to Oklahoma. I have one right. I have one right here. Well, so. I have one closer to me than even to you. <laughs> Give um, me this win. Wait, you gotta get a kids a kids meal, a kids nacho. Mm. It's great. It's a great value. Five dollars, good size nachos. That does sound like a good value because I was just thinking, there goes my budget. Mm-hmm. So, wow, <laughs> I can't wait. It's not open yet, I don't think, but soon. Can I share an Instagram account? Mm-hmm. I can't think of a of a traditional win. So this is one that I've had on the back burner to share for a while, and I think it fits perfectly with our theme. Um, but it's called the account is Pub Choir. It's Australian. It's an Australian uh, organization, and basically they sell tickets to these events, and people come together and like. I think it started in pubs. Now they do like theaters. And they have like a director and musicians and they teach people a song for the night and like they have like harmonies and stuff and then they all sing together and it's just like, you know, a chance to 
to sing, which adults, again, don't really get a chance to do that anymore, you know, and like, people are always tearing up and it's like this great humanity thing. And I just like their videos are cute and fun to watch. So and they just announced a US tour. So if that sounds like something you'd be into, you should go check it out. Tess, do you ever sing anymore? Not really. Mm-hmm. I'm always trying to get I I'm always trying to tell people that they should uh, have Dave sing in church. <laughs> and he's like, "Claire." And I'm like, "You don't you don't use your your voice anymore." And it breaks it, my it heart. It is sad that like I feel like as an adult, it's like weirder to go up and sing, like to put your singing voice out there than to like perform your instrument. Mm-hmm. You know? Like if someone plays the violin, everybody wants to hear the violin. But like, it's not that people think that way about other people who sing. It's just if you are like, if you like to sing, you feel, you feel more like if I'm going to volunteer, I got to be like amazing. Showing myself. Exactly. Which exactly. is not true, but. You are yeah, amazing. I'm saying like way. no, yeah, no. I so that's very cute. I'm definitely going to check that out because sounds right up my alley. Okay, I think that wraps it up for this week. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our show and visit our website hopculturepod.com. We'll also be popping up on Instagram throughout the week, so follow Hop Culture Pod for more fun. See you next week. Bye.